Let's say for a moment that you're at the zoo. You could be by yourself or with family or friends, it doesn't matter. And you find yourself over in the ape or chimp exhibit. And as you're walking over there, you start to notice some things. You notice the beating of chests. Maybe there's loud howling or screeching or chanting going on. There might even be the flinging of feces or something else that's rather indecent. But as that's going on, you decide to stop looking at your fellow humans and you start to watch the chimps or the apes or the orangutans. Yes, okay, that's being a little bit sarcastic or satirical even. But the point is, is that as you're standing there and you're watching these creatures, someone says something to the extent of, wow, it's hard to believe we used to be one of those. When immediately someone turns to them and says, you fool, we were never apes. We were never even orangutans. We were never chimps or monkeys. God made us directly out of the earth. And so an argument has begun. Where did we come from? Did we come from poo-flinging apes or something like it? Or did God literally put his hand down and scoop us up out of the dirt and mold us into the creatures that we are today? This is the question I'm asking today on The Writer's Lens. It's two narratives, two separate storylines, two worldviews. Are we some kind of advanced form of hominid or ape that's just along the evolutionary track, eventually going to evolve into something else someday, maybe with a bigger brain even? Or are we something of the divine? Did an intelligent being outside of our universe, but also dwelling within it, see fit to come into the material realm and scoop us up out of the ground and turn us into what he wanted to, or rather into the image of what he is, both male and female? That's the topic of today's Writer's Lens episode. This is The Narrative Wars. I'm Josh J.C. Alfelto, and this is talking about human beings and our origins. that uh, little opener there when discussing the uh, dynamic of where we came from and <laughs> what uh, how we might view one another as being either uh, you know some sort of advanced uh, chimp or ape versus possibly being a divine creation uh, from the hand of God. I, uh, I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a long time and quite honestly I could probably spend a whole series discussing it. And, uh, you know, I'm not a, a biologist. I'm not a, a hardline scientist. I, I wouldn't even claim to be a, an expert in theology. But I think I know enough to be dangerous in this because I've been inundated with two narratives most of my life. One narrative saying that I, have, I am the result of molecules and genes uh, coming together over billions of years where we started out as possibly fish or maybe singular cell organisms, which became fish, which then became walking creatures on land, which then became mammals, which then became some sort of chimp, which eventually became human beings. And then the other narrative is, well, you actually started all the way at the beginning. You came out of the dirt, of the dust, of the ground. God himself breathed life into you, uh, into your forebears, and you have this uh, divine purpose for your life. You have meaning for your life because God has given you purpose, and you are a divine creation. Therefore, live your life as such as you try to learn more and more about God himself. So two very different ideas about the origins of mankind and two very different stories. And that's what I want to cover in this episode of The Writer's Lens is human beings, just an advanced breed of apes, uh, or are we something divine? But first off, let's talk about the two ideologies 
that we're discussing here. So evolution, aka Darwinism, and creationism. <clears throat> now, first of all, the definition of evolution is, uh, and I'm going to just basically take these from the dictionary, is that uh, specifically in biology, evolution is the change in the characteristics of a species over several generations and relies on the process of natural selection. The theory of evolution is based on the idea that all species are related and gradually change over time. Now, it's important to know that evolution is a theory, okay? It, it, this isn't like a proven, proven thing as far as on a macro sense. Now, there are, there's like microevolution, there's macroevolution, but the theory of, of evolution is a theory, okay? Uh, you know, this might be like a, whoa, what are you talking about, Josh, moment, but... Uh, again, I always encourage people to research things for themselves. Uh, you know, don't just take my word for it. But uh, that's what essentially the definition around evolution is, as you would find it commonly in a dictionary somewhere. Charles Darwin is referred to as the father of this idea. He was the one who was writing books on origin of species, uh, doing uh, observations over certain types of birds uh, that had longer or shorter beaks, depending upon what areas they lived in and how this could change over time. So Darwin was kind of like the forefather of all this. He kind of brought this into sort of the modern science take, is that, hey, there's a good chance we evolved from a bunch of stuff, right? And with the discovery of ancient fossils and, you know, creatures that looked similar but aren't really, uh, and then with the onset of carbon dating and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that we use now, there's a lot of debate around whether or not Darwinism is still going to hold up going forward. Uh, but as of now, evolution is still out there. It's very strong. There's large communities around evolution. <clears throat> uh, for instance, Richard Dawkins, who's the author of books like The God Delusion, I think is one of the biggest names in the atheist slash humanist camp. Uh, I don't really know if he calls himself a humanist, but I definitely would say he's an atheist. Uh, big, big proponent of, of uh, evolution is Mr. Dawkins. And there's other gentlemen around him over the years that have uh, also supported that position. More recently, guys uh, like Sam Harris, uh, Chris, uh, the late Christopher Hitchens, who was also a political commentator, was very outspoken uh, about evolution and the ideas of where we came from, etc. So that's evolution, I guess, in a nutshell. If you were to boil it down and say, okay, here's some of the players. I mean, there's probably some others out there I didn't mention. But that's the definition of it. Now, creationism, conversely, by definition, is the belief that the universe and living organisms originate from specific acts of divine creation, as in the biblical account, which I'll get into later, rather than by natural processes such as evolution. So already you can see the, uh, not the parallel, but rather the position that cre creationism is in versus evolution. The two are not on the same path necessarily. Uh, they're actually in conflict with one another because of where their origins are and how things work out. So belief versus theory. Okay, and this is where, of course, it gets really interesting because we're going to talk about narratives. Now, most major religions have this stance with creationism. Okay, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, you know, even Satanism would claim that there is an originator, uh, a, a being of sorts that started things. <coughs> brought them into existence. And there are even different takes within each belief structure. So, for instance, in uh, 
Christianity, there's young earth and old earth theology. So the idea that the earth is six to 9,000 years old versus it's billions of years old in old earth theology. Now there's also growing interest in ideas around uh, intelligent design, which is the theory, again, that life or the universe <clears throat> cannot have arisen by chance and was designed and created by some intelligent entity. So intelligent design to me is just basically saying, uh, you know, this is the god of agnosticism, right? There's something out there that created everything. We don't know what it is, but there clearly seems to be some sort of intelligence that was behind the, the creation of cells and, and everything else. So that's intelligent design in a nutshell. And to further confuse you, if you're still with me on this, there's the idea of theistic evolution, which uh, I don't know if it attempts to be the, the bridge between evolution and, and theism, which is a belief in God, but basically it's the idea that even if there is evolution on a macro level, God himself is behind it. He is formulating creatures, turning them into what he wants them to be over time, behind the scenes, and pushing it into the space of creating human beings which are his divine creation. So there's theistic evolution, which I, I'm not a big fan of personally, and you're probably going to get some of my own in, uh, interjections in this. It's my podcast, so it would just make sense to do so. But, uh, you know, these ideas around creationism, trying to point back to a divine creator, evolution saying happenstance, accidentalism in some, say, in some sense, naturalism, uh, we arose out of a pond of scum, and we've created our morality and our belief structures around that as our brains have gotten bigger. Okay, so these are the, these are the two areas. So the big question now becomes, what is, or who has, I guess is the, is the better way of putting it, who has the better narrative? Who's winning the culture over when it comes to these two belief structures? And I do say evolution is a belief structure because I, I do believe it is a worldview. It is not just a theory and it's a, it's a scientific matter and people just adhere to it because it's science and science is never wrong and all this kind of stuff. No, it, it is a worldview that if you're looking through the lens of I'm just, you know, I, I, me, I just, I came from some advanced hominid at one point and there was interbreeding going on and somehow we leapt forward and became humans. I, I, that's a worldview because no one has ever seen that happen just as no one has ever seen the creationist account that is alive today, okay? So these are both worldviews, belief structures. Uh, if I were to give an account of who I think has the better narrative and uh, who's winning the culture, uh, I would look at a lot of different areas. So first of all, school systems. What are schools teaching us? Well, in the public school system, I remember growing up, if, if you're my age, if you're in your 30s, uh, even now, uh, evolution is brought up at least. Is creationism brought up? Eh, I don't know. You know, I've been out of the game for a while, so I have no idea. My kids aren't old enough to be in high school, but but I do know that evolution gets talked about, and it's also on college campuses. So there's an advantage, I think, in mainline uh, education that you're going to hear about evolution more so than creationism. Intelligent design, maybe. Uh, intelligent design, maybe. I'm not. Again, I'm not too sure. Uh, but evolution at least gets brought up. And everyone's seen that picture of the chimp that turns into the walking person uh, that was in my, I think that was in my science classroom at one point. So school systems have it. So I think evolution might have it there. There's movies that, that purport the idea of evolution, but there's also movies that purport the idea of creationism. You know, so there was the movie uh, Noah that came out years ago with Russell Crowe that talked about God creating everything. 
Uh, so that was very obvious that that was a creationist type worldview movie. Whereas you might have 2001 A Space Odyssey, which uh, has that very infamous scene with a, with an ape at the end using a, a bone as a tool. And there's that famous uh, track behind it, uh, theme behind it. If you haven't seen it before, go check it out on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. <clears throat> there's documentaries that have been done on evolution. There's documentaries that have been done on creationism. Okay, you might have more access to the ones on evolution. Uh, I mean, National Geographic, the Smithsonian, <coughs> excuse me, they're more likely to talk about evolution and the idea that we came from some hominid. I mean, my, my wife and I, we have been to the Cleveland uh, Natural History Museum in uh, recent days, and there's a wall up that shows sort of the escalation of humanity with faces, you know, they're obviously... Uh, created by some artist based upon skeletons that we found and trying to build the case of we came from these creatures millions of years ago that turned into humans. So in a museum, you're going to see these kinds of things. And uh, personally, if I were to say, you know, who's winning the culture war, I would say probably evolution in some sense. Uh, I mean, as the Western culture becomes more and more secular, uh, you're going to see institutions that push for more secular understandings or secular beliefs around where our origins are from. But that doesn't really change the fact that I believe that a lot of people live in a relative gray area when it comes to this idea of evolution or God creating everything. Because even though the West is postmodern now, even though we are in the year 2020, and uh, there is a lot of science for ideas like evolution, there's a lot of science for ideas like God, I would contend. I think a lot of folks still live in, like I said, sort of that bare, that sort of space between. Because in the age of the offended self, as John Eldridge would say, which I, I think is so true today, uh, no one wants to be made a fool of. Nobody wants to look exposed. Nobody wants to look uh, silly because so much information and knowledge is at our fingertips now. There's so much we can get through a Google search. There's so much we can attain through just picking up our phone, saying, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, uh, Google this. Find me information on that. And since we have that ability, nobody wants to look like they're unprepared. Nobody wants to say, I, I don't know anything about this. But they will say it. You know, I you know, I don't want any part of that conversation. But living in sort of this gray area of, you know, probably there's evolution. I'm not sure. Or, you know, saying, and if there is, I really hope God's there too because I really want God to help me out. I want the universe to help me out. You know, that couldn't have been just coincidence that happened to me. So there's still sort of this spiritualism that exists, even if it's not, you know, hardline Christianity or, or you know, hardline something else. Now, when I think about what the experts say about either side of it, you know, like modern uh, scientists on either side of it, because there are scientists that are for evolution, there are scientists that are for creationism. Uh, so just two quotes that I want to put out there as far as what each side is saying, and the first one I think is one you've heard of. It's from a guy pretty famous. His name was Stephen Hawking. Don't know if you've heard of him. Hawking is quoted as saying, and I think this is a good summation of, of the position that you would see in evolution, is he was quoted as saying, look, we are just an advanced, an advanced breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star, but we can understand the universe, and that makes us something very special. So again, creating this 
idea that we are just an advanced form of primate, that we are upright walking hominids. Uh, nothing too fantastic about that because we can look around and see other creatures that are similar to us. But hey, we can understand the universe. We can test the universe. We can create a hypothesis about something and then go test it and find out what happens. We can build wonderful skyscrapers and we can <clears throat> advance digitally and transmit information across vast distances and create rocket ships, all kinds of stuff. That makes us into something very special. Again, this is based upon your worldview, I think, because some people might say, look, just because we can create a nuclear bomb doesn't make us very special. That actually makes us very dangerous. Look, you know, creating weapons or uh, the fact that we've, uh, if you believe in that, we've created our own morality. Some people have created moral values that are extremely skewed and bad for other people. I mean, just think of ideas like Nazism or uh, extreme forms of, uh, you know, just uh, tyrannical governments, you know, uh, socialist government, socialist regimes that exist. Uh, these kinds of things that are quote-unquote human-created don't end up being good for everybody. Does that really make us special? I don't know. I mean, if you look at ants and other kinds of creatures, they live in relative harmony. But ants will also invade other colonies and destroy one another. So we're just like the ants. <laughs> you know, we're just like them in that case. So are we really special then? I don't, you know, again, this is uh, up for you, listener, to, to decide. Uh, and also for anyone else who's uh, hearing these narratives. So... Not that this is Stephen Hawking versus the Bible, but I wanted to use Stephen Hawking because he's well-known, and I think that's a really good quote that, again, I think kind of summarizes the ideas behind evolution. Now I'm going to quote directly out of the Bible as a different account of what creationism might say, and this is going to be directly out of Genesis, uh, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, but specifically in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, in verse 7, it starts with saying that the God formed man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, the Garden of Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Now, if you don't know the knowledge or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's the one where Adam and Eve eventually pull the fruit from and they're stricken from the garden and everything just goes into chaos after that. So skip down here a little bit before the fall uh, to verse 18 because something very special happens is uh, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is suitable for him. Skipping down a little bit, it says, uh, God caused... Uh, a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh at that place. And then he fashioned that into a woman, the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And then the man said, Wowzers. Well, actually, what he says, according to the Bible, is, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So, ladies, you are the crowning achievement of God's creation. Again, from a creationist standpoint, uh, you are the exclamation point on uh, the divine creator's uh, work, okay, on, this, on the sixth day. You know, so Adam's there, he's by himself, he's lonely, he's got nothing going on. God says, you know what, uh, we're going to make a woman here. She's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, he's going to love it. In fact, he breaks out into poetry right after he sees her. Uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Uh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So 
very different imagery here, very different tone. Again, <clears throat> can we test it today by scientific observation? Can we say that every single man on the planet has a missing rib that, <laughs> that, uh, that Eve was taken from and turned into? Um, there's hundreds of interpretations on this. And many times I am encouraged just to read it plainly and to believe it as it actually happened. In fact, I believe it actually would have happened this way. Uh, because it's God. God can do whatever he wants. Okay? And this story within the Bible in Genesis says nothing, of course, about us coming from monkeys. It says nothing about us coming from apes. It says nothing about us coming from some other hominid. It literally says that we came out of the dust. We came out of ground. We came out of dirt and clay. We were not, you know, already created with some sort of bone structure that existed. No, God literally just went, here we are. So this poses some really, really interesting uh, contention between both sides. Because on one side, you have this theory of evolution, where it's, it's a theory, maybe things are changing on a macro sense. We've never been able to prove that. There's evidence of fossils that look similar to each other in different periods of time. Uh, but when do the animals jump into the next phase of whatever it is? We don't know. <clears throat> we don't know. And at the same time, no one can interview Adam or Eve because they're they're long dead. And we don't know if that is the case. Uh, so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth we go. Again, this becomes a belief structure. It becomes a worldview that you, the individual, has as to what you want to believe. Now, before I get going on this, um, <clears throat> I wanted to discuss some of the recent things that I found as far as both sides go, where I think this is rather interesting because everyone, I think, likes to believe, again, if you're in that camp of gray area, that science and religion, or science and faith, rather, don't belong in the same bucket. They can't get along in the sandbox. They don't play nice. Okay, one side is going one direction, the other side is going another direction. I happen to believe that that's not true. Okay, I, I do believe that science can be used to prove that religion is is true, like a religious account or the biblical account is true. And that's been my own walk of of faith, me personally. So I don't I don't see them really in contention with one another. Now some creationists believe there is contention. They believe that science is sort of the devil's work and it's just people trying to disprove God. Uh, I, I don't I don't prescribe to that camp. I don't think that that's healthy either. I think that we have the book of nature around us to help reveal God in general, uh, but also to test the world so that we can prove that God is behind all of it at the same time. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to prescribe to sort of the blind faither position uh, where we just read it and say, okay, I have to cast everything else out of my mind. I'm not going to observe and, and test and do other things. No, besides that, I think it kind of kills the, the human curiosity gene anyway. Uh, but but anywho, evolution today, I, I found some interesting articles, and I wanted to just share these real quick. There was an article out of the out of uh, Live Science that I found that asked the question that has always kind of burned in me for a long time, which is why haven't all primates evolved into humans? Right? I mean, I think that's a fair question. I mean, if if there were a bunch of ape-like creatures around millions of years ago or thousands of years ago. Why didn't they all become humans? Why didn't everybody head towards uh, bigger brains and uh, less hair on their bodies? Well, for some people, less hair. But why didn't that happen to everybody? 
And to quote the article, Brianna Pobner, who's a paleoanthropologist at the Smithsonian Institute, she says the reason other primates aren't evolving into humans is that they're doing just fine. They're, they're thriving in their natural habitats. So there's no reason for them to evolve into something else. They're, they're surviving. They're thriving. They're, they're doing just fine. Uh, that was her, her position. And then furthermore, Linda Isbell, who is a professor of anthropology at the University of California in the same article, she says evolution isn't a progression. She claims that uh, it's about how well organisms, again, echoing what Brianna Popner says, it's how well they fit into their current environments. So what she claims puts humans in a unique position at the top of the evolutionary ladder is that we have extreme adaptability. We can manipulate our environments to meet our needs. You know, so if it's cold, we can create good shelter. We live in it. If it's really warm, we can figure out how to cool it down. Uh, we have the ability to go anywhere we want to because of our big brains. That's what allows us to move and shape our environments. So we're kind of outside the realm of being influenced by our environment completely because we have the capacity to troubleshoot. So it's a pretty decent argument. <clears throat> or, or maybe the argument is we have the big brains to survive and take captive the earth, kind of like what it says in Genesis, uh, where it says, hey, go forth and multiply and take captive the earth. Because you have big brains, you have the ability to do this. So again, coming back between the ideas of science and religion and how I think uh, scientific observation actually will back creationist account. Okay, again, this is, again, me interjecting my, my, my thoughts in this as well. But what about the creationist side of things? Okay, you know, this idea that evolution isn't a progression, you know, like it's not just, you know, moving into uh, getting bigger and better brains all the time. What about creationism? Well, there's a lot of work being done, as I've said already, about reconciling science to the biblical account. Uh, there's a ministry that I follow called it Reasons to Believe. Uh, Dr. Hugh Ross is the founder of it, with who they do, I should say, some really interesting work as far as supporting Christianity uh, with science, not the other way around, not supporting science with Christianity. Yeah, uh, which I think they get a lot of flack for from some folks, but utilizing current understandings of science to say, hey, you know, we use the Bible as, as uh, you know, there's no errors in it, and we can prove that through scientific observation. So, interesting ministry if you're ever interested, if you're a science nerd or if you're curious, uh, reasons to believe would be a good place to start. There's also this concept called mitochondrial Eve, which I don't know if you've ever heard of before, listener, uh, which was part of, I believe, the Human Genome Project, which was trying to figure out how we're all related, came down to this, uh, this point where we, uh, we found out that we're all traced back to one woman. Everyone who's alive today shares the mitochondria of one woman, and she's known as Mitochondrial Eve. I don't know how they did this. I have no clue how they mapped it. I'm not a uh, molecular biologist or whoever the title would have been, but really interesting stuff that we all came from one woman. Again, really, really interesting uh, thing there. And then even more recently, as of 2018, there was a 200,000-year-old jawbone found in Israel, which I, th I think is still being under, under observation. And uh, this is unique because we always thought that we lived in Africa and came out of Africa about 150 to 100,000 years ago. So if it's 200,000 years old and in Israel, this blows open a whole other uh, can of worms because uh, as I was reading in Science Mag, uh, 
uh, an anthropologist over at Tel Aviv University, this guy named Israel uh, Hershkovitz, I think that's his name, he said that if this finding is correct, and if our species, he says, was in Israel 200,000 years ago, it would suggest that we are very old, not just 300,000 years old, but even older. So these kinds of things are changing all the time. And I, again, I don't see there being a conflict between science and faith. And I know some people say, no, 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 no. They, they don't play nice in the sandbox. They're always going to be separate. The narratives are different. I, I, I would agree with that. I would say that the narratives that we see are different. But that's because of the worldview. Because of people's belief structures. I don't want God to be real. I want us to be advanced apes. I want us to be somewhat, you know, accidental naturalist processes. You know, we can take pride in the fact that we made it that way. Whereas another worldview says, I reject all those ideas. I reject the concept of, uh, you know, being evolved from apes. We came from God. Uh, but guess what? I'm not even going to listen to any scientific argument because I'm just going to believe it because that's what the Bible says. Done. End. Period. And you see how the two sides could never really talk to each other. But I think in recent years, they're starting to talk to each other. And we're starting to see a little bit more cohesion. And it's going to be a long process. But me personally, I'm encouraged because... Uh, you know, in seeing that there are things happening in the scientific community that continue to point towards the idea of a creator. I mean, intelligent design is the most recent one. I, you know, I, I'm encouraged by that. You know, I continue to be encouraged by it. And I'm going to leave on this quote, which is from God and the Astronomers by Robert Jastrow, which I think is a good way to summarize this whole narrative battle out there between evolution and creationism. Uh, Jastrow in his book, God and the Astronomers, says, for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. So, not trying to poke at the, uh, the scientist or the astronomer or anything like that, but there could be better conversations happening. <laughs> there could be better conversations happening between theologians and, and scientists or scientific folks uh, within the two spheres to uh, not be so hostile to one another when we're discussing these things. So what do you think, listener? What do you think about this whole narrative uh, business? Uh, what are your belief structures around evolution versus uh, God created us? Because again, it's a belief structure. It's a belief. Um, uh, it's it's a area of belief. Uh, it's a worldview. It's not just science says so, so that's it. Well, not completely. Or it's not just well, the Bible says so, that's it. And again, I would say I would argue that yeah, well, the Bible says it. I would say that it, it's without error. So sure. But why? Why would you believe that without error? Why would you just blindly believe it? Uh, without doing a little bit of work behind the scenes as well when it's called for it. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, like I said, I could probably go on for five or six episodes on it. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe. Hey, share this with someone who would find it interesting. Uh, you know, me as a storyteller, I look at the stories being told between evolution and creationism, and I, I follow this stuff as much as I can. As you can tell, I'm pretty excitable about it. Hopefully I didn't talk too fast through this episode because there was a lot to get through. But uh, again, yeah, share it with someone who might find it interesting. Or if you find it interesting, let me know. Uh, you know, reach out to me at The Writer's Lens. You can find me on Facebook, depending upon where you're listening to this. Uh, you know, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of good stuff. 
that's out there uh, besides just Podbean. So have a good rest of the week, guys. I'll catch you guys again soon. Uh, this is Josh, ACL Felto for the Writer's Lens.